straight to YouTube. Um, so Snowball 2, uh, Jackson Wargo, a.k.a. Snowball 2. Welcome. Thanks for coming to talk to me, man. And uh, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, we talked a few minutes before uh, we started doing this, but we've, you know, it's the first time we're meeting. It's always interesting to meet new people when I do this, so I enjoy that part of it. Uh, you have, you just released a new album, uh, Eaton Super 10. Yeah. Uh, that's available everywhere now. Um, right now it's available everywhere digitally, but digitally. Uh, we do have CDs and vinyl that uh, are going to be on our website soon. Cool. Um, so, and that's uh, Snowball Two, two lowercase eyes yeah, Roman numeral two. Roman yes. numeral two. Snowball And where's the? How's it? What's the name? What's the origins of the name? Snowball. Um, uh, the it's the cat from the Simpsons. Okay. Family. All right. I was think I I did a quick Google search and I had a suspicion, <laughs> but I didn't want to be way off. Yeah, I'm a big big simpsons guy i just watched they did some parody of upstate new york recently that right. i caught on facebook someone had posted and uh basically just mocking upstate new york that was but it was pretty funny um they go to like oswego i think in buffalo i'm from the poughkeepsie area which oh, okay. people from anyone in the new york city considers anything north of the bronx to be upstate new york it's like another dimension for them because <laughs> many people don't drive but i'm from um the Hudson Valley, Beacon, Wappingers Falls area. That to people from Buffalo and other places, they're like, that's not upstate New York because it's really not. If you look at a map of New York, it's right, like, it's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so you have an, a record release party May 4th mm-hmm. uh, at Re- the club is called Resident. Yeah, the Resident. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Who are you playing with? Um, um, well, I think it's going to be a really cool event we're gonna try to make it you know it, it is it is a concert more more than it than it isn't but we wanted to make it truly feel like a party yeah so we've got uh neil hamburger i don't know if you're familiar he's a yeah. kind of an anti-comedian yeah and he's he's emceeing the event and um we've got uh our friend cat bing who's an artist mm. Uh, she's doing art installations and live painting throughout the night. Cool. And then we're opening with kind of like a cocktail hour style thing where uh, we got a bebop jazz band called Mambo Jumbo Jazz Combo. Cool. And they're going to be just playing on the floor, unmiked, swinging real hard while everybody kind of gets gets a little slippery. And then uh, we have uh, a guy who's going to bring us down named Jason Lerman. He's uh I, I like to say that when when you know Leonard Cohen died and, and now we have Jason Lerman, we let us treat him with care. So he's kind of so he's gonna reincarnated I, that, in, 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 his in, spirit is kind of <laughs> wafted um, into him. Maybe his gift. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um but uh and then and then Snowball is gonna play, you know, awesome. all the hits and uh yeah, it's going to be great. And then we're doing an after party at a bar nearby, which is great. It's called uh, Little Bear. Um, all are welcome. And, uh, you know, the slogan is come get loaded and act like a jerk with us. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. like fun. It sounds like it's going to be a good night. And there's a lot of interesting things happening. It's not just, uh, you know, a standard uh, concert. You have 
comedian. Yeah, it's kind of a variety yeah, yeah. show. Variety show, sure. Yeah, yeah. art. It's going to be a good night. All right, so that's May 4 at The Resident. Mm-hmm, that's um, this Saturday. Cool. And uh, I haven't done a show in a while. This is like the first show I've done in a while. I, I was try- I was doing shows like weekly, so this mm-hmm. is like the first one I've done in a month. I um, kind of felt like I was falling off a little bit with the shows. I had... Um, Jessica Von Rabbit on, you know, she's, she's great. I love, I was super excited to interview her and I was like late and I was like tired and I was shot just from a long day. And I felt like I also didn't ask her like a lot of good questions. She opened for, um, the Eagles of death metal and that, but that she opened for them in New York and I caught them in New York and we were talking about that tour a little bit because I believe that they brought it up. But um, obviously, there was there were there was a terrible massacre in in Europe when they played. Yeah, and I I feel like I should have asked her. Even though, as far as I'm aware, she wasn't part of that tour. But I felt like obligated to ask her. Like, do you think that could have been you? And I feel like that was like a very important question to ask. And I didn't ask because mm-hmm. I was like I also got the vibe that she didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, and that's so I felt direct. yeah. <laughs> but I felt I I kind of feel like an obligation like because I I was a journalist for a long time. So, like, I feel like an obligation to ask tough questions, mm-hmm. but also as an artist, I feel like I want this to be like a fun, just conversation, right? you know, but I, I also don't like, I know it's like a double-edged sword, right? Because like, if I'm not Howard Stern or any, of course, like, but like Howard Stern would have asked like a question like that or someone else would have just asked like and i don't try i'm not trying to be like that like this is not what the show is about but like right. i feel like that's what people kind of tune in for sometimes hmm. you know well i guess you could just gotta use discretion i don't know pick, yeah. pick your pick your tough questions and uh i don't know if if you've gotten all of the niceties you want out of someone and yeah. you don't need to need to see them back here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe ask them a tough question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't have any tough questions for you. <laughs> I, could, I, I I don't have but, any tough, yeah, tough yeah. questions to answer. I yeah, don't think. yeah. <laughs> I just I felt like I needed to to say that because I felt like kind of because um, I was like, oh, that must have been a cool tour. And I went to them and I saw them perform, and I know like firsthand that it was a, a fun tour. But I just felt like it was kind of almost callous not to acknowledge the other part of the tour mm. you know so anyway i don't want to to uh to focus on that too much but i mm. felt like just an obligation uh to put that out there you have so tell me um strictly sad clown music <laughs> what is uh are you did you uh, infatuated with clowns uh not exactly yeah. i i i like the absurd um i think the concept of a sad clown is absurd and it makes yeah. me laugh and in kind of a you know makes my soul like go like <laughs> you know which yeah. i kind of love so i wanted to implement that kind of absurdity um into the visual aspects of the the brand of snowball too yeah and how we bland, branded, um, we did blend it too, uh, how we branded Flashes of Quincy because the music was really whimsical and absurd and and um, it does make sense, but it doesn't seem like it makes sense. It's, we, we arranged it to have a madness to its method and uh, so too did the, you know, visuals follow. 
uh, you know, painting portraits of the band members as sad clowns. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of, it made me laugh while I was doing it. Thought yeah. it looked kind of fun, and I thought people would get a kick out of it. But it turns out people are afraid of clowns. So <laughs> I blame Stephen King. But yeah, <laughs> when I worked for a newspaper in New York, that was a big thing for a while. People were dressing up as clowns and doing scary shit. Oh um, yeah, that was right around the time I think we were putting around putting out uh, flashes of Quincy. So oh, was, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> good time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> well, the clowns and I had been talking. Yeah, and we yeah. wanted to do something together, and we just decided to kind of arrange it. Um, yeah, there was one. I, I, the front. I edited this small twice weekly. Well, it became weekly paper. But um, there was there's this guy that was it was the cover of the paper that week. He was dressed like a clown, and he was standing on a railroad trestle, and he was holding it was a pellet gun, but nobody knew that, and it scared the shit out of everyone yeah. driving by. And, um, but yeah, so then clowns got a bad rap and I actually interviewed a clown for that story and his name was, was um, costume? Macaroni the Clown. I spoke to him over the phone, oh. <laughs> um, but he was saying that it, it actually, uh, hurt the clown business. Like, Big yeah, time. yeah. There's like, and he said he, part of the fun for him was like going to a party, like he would dress up as a clown before he left and like the looks he would get in the car as he was driving, like people would be like, what is, you know, what's up oh, with this yeah, guy? What's he going to go Yeah. <laughs> but he said he couldn't do that anymore. He had to get dressed at the event because yeah. he was getting like a lot of freaked out looks. Huh. But I totally get his side. Like how fun would it be just driving and then like you, you get cut off by a guy, but <laughs> you end up next to him later and he's just dressed up like a clown. Yeah. And then he like honks his horn and like, honks his nose at you at the same time oh, yeah be great I would, <laughs> I would love that yeah uh yeah so that seemed like a fun part of his job that he was that was sadly um taken away from him well, <laughs> we'll bring it back yes slowly one, one step at a time cool uh so how was the so you were the primary member of the band is that accurate to say or is there yeah it's like so i I kind of made the albums. For, uh, I, I write I write the music by myself, and then yeah. I kind of make the the grander structure of the albums by myself. And then I kind of bring a couple people in to fill in gaps or make things better. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I'm it's and it's gone in and out of it. So it started out with just being me without a band. And then I kind of didn't like that, and I wanted there to be a, a, you know, a core group of members, and we tried it, but it's, it's hard to get four people or however many people to commit to something that isn't starting as a fully collaborative thing, right? And then, so you have to teach them the songs, and right? Then and then so it's like so it's still kind of my thing, yeah, and then like no one's willing to make huge sacrifices and they can't really in this, this economy because they got to pay for rent out here. Sure. And it's not cheap. you know, being in a band takes time and it takes a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, so, so I was like, okay, now I'm still bankrolling this whole thing. And yeah. like people were not being able to make it to shows. So I, I kind of had to have a network. So it turned kind of back into me, being just kind of my thing 
Um, and I think that this may be the path of least resistance, at least for now. Um, but the live show will have mostly consistent members um, for the foreseeable future, but there's only one show on that timeline. So, and it's on Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah. So go go check it out. So come on out. Um, do you prefer like when you write music, it's mostly an introverted sort of thing where it's just you, or do you prefer jamming and coming up with ideas that way, or does it vary? Uh, the way that I like to do it, nine times out of ten, is just me and an and an acoustic guitar. Um, and then I'll kind of write the whole thing out simply, but I'll already hear the arrangement for yeah. it in my head or I'll already have made up all the parts. So then, and I, I have a home studio, so I just run into it and make it really fast. And that mostly just turns into the record a little bit. So there's kind of, yeah, that my, my, I like to be just by myself yeah, and do it. Um, that isn't to say that there aren't other you know, I'm not op- I'm I'm open to collaborating with people more. Yeah. But not necessarily for this project. I think I would like to do that for something other and keep this kind this of uh kind of your baby. Yeah, uh, something that I've have complete creative control over. But of of course I bring in people that or the people that I bring in, I, a lot of times I let them just do whatever they want because I know that they are going to get it. You know, they're going to hear the arrangement that I hear probably better. Yeah. And just kind of pull it off. And they do that pretty often. So, um, it's not like I'm some fascist or anything. Uh, I don't give a lot of notes or, well, I give notes, but I don't give a lot of direct instruction as a band leader. So you let the musicians, everyone kind of, Add their own little yeah. spices or whatever. Exactly, own little and that's style. Exa- and that's kind of that's kind of what makes our live show exciting. Is it's it's seriously different from the album, you know, and be, because of because there are more players, you know, live. Yeah. So it in it will inherently sound different, and then those even those players will flip around and change, and then or we'll play a different arrangement of a song. So. Which, if you obviously, if you had new members, it adds a slight. It's not necessarily difference well, yeah, to it, the I live show. It's a big. I would say yeah. it's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, like we, um, yeah, we we we're using a new drummer for this show, and we've been rehearsing in it, and it doesn't feel worse by any means, but it feels different, different. and it's and it's cool, and we're able to come up with things that are new uh, because of that and get stronger in other ways, which is very cool. So the more people we bring into the band and uh, and do that with from time to time, and it takes time to, you know, you can't just throw someone in for a show and then, like, think you got it. It's like, no, we got to sit and rehearse and, you know, learn how he plays, learn how yeah. he plays with us and how we play with him and how we can all adapt together. And But that's been a really positive experience i think for snowball 2 and the core members of snowball 2 are me er, me but uh our bass player andrew has been with us since our second show so Mm. um you know so and he plays on the he he plays on eden super 10 and uh you know so he's a he's a staple and he really makes or adds 
a lot to to what it is that I do. So. Cool. You're talking about the arrangement. Um, like, how do you really think of that when you're? Because there's when you are you talking about the structure, sort of the song, like you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, sort of deal, or when you're saying when you're approaching it from like a, a different uh, perspective when you're arranging music. Um, not so much, or uh, it's not so much the structure that we mess with, um, because the structure helps make, <laughs> make us able to do it. Um, but we like to keep everything pretty highly improvisational. Okay. Um, a lot of times the set list, there won't be a set list. Um, one person will just kind of, we'll, we'll do a soundscape coming out of a song and someone will kind of lead into something that sounds like another song and we all improvise into that song or we'll do something simpler, like just extend portions of the song. Um, but we also do, you know, um, our sophomore record donut holes is, is mostly or it, its bass is acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and it's super subdued and 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 quiet but we'll play some of those songs as very abrasive and it's i don't know it's it's a totally different perspective on the song which i think is rewarding to someone who's heard the record and comes to the show yeah that's kind of the mark of a good song, right? Like if it you could play it in different formats and it still holds up as a song, like you could play it acoustically, you could play it abrasive as you said, but it's still I would say it's more that's that's more a mark of a good musician. Okay. Than it is of a good, good song, song because you can play you know, I can play can't get no satisfaction and strike that. <laughs> I can't I you know like many song any song can be played. I think there's there's a there's a series of records called like punk goes pop, punk yeah. goes 80s, punk goes mariachi. Yeah. And Nailed like their own Yeah, and it. it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. So but a good musician will be able to translate you know, just from understanding, spending times with different uh, styles. In a way that sounds cool. Yeah. So you recorded the album in your studio. Yeah. Cool. And um, you had Annie Hardy on the album. Mm-hmm. She sings back up. Yeah. I interviewed her um, a while ago and um, actually forgot my um, power adapter for this recorder that we're using right now at her house. Mm-hmm. So, Annie, if you're listening... I got to get that back at some point because <laughs> we have one bar left on the battery, but we're, we're good. <laughs> so if it dies, it dies, but we'll be all right. Um, Let's call her, have her bring it over. <laughs> how did you hook up with her? Did you know her for a while and how did you collaborate and how um, make that happen? So we had uh, kind of a number of mutual friends and I had seen her perform and then saw her at a friend's show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went up and spoke with her, and then we started going to shows together. And she, I would just see her around a lot. Yeah, we became friends, and then she directed uh, 
a music video for one of the songs. I saw Austin Juarez. Yeah. Um, out today. Um, and yeah, so and I, I I just love her voice. I think it would be. I thought it would be perfect. And, of course, and yeah. It, it added such a cool vibe, and yeah. So she was down to do it. So it was it was, you know, just how you meet anybody through yeah mutual friend and being able to. You know. Cool. Yeah, her car, her show, Band Car. Have you caught that? No. Uh, it's worth. Uh, I only know Empath of Least Resistance. Yeah, that was. So we did a, a show and we both released it. I released it on my channels and she released it on hers, Empath of Least Resistance, her podcast. She has a show called Band Car on Periscope where she drives around and freestyles in her car. <laughs> it's it's great. Dude, it's great. Her freestyle. What I've learned of the flow state from Annie Hardy is life-changing <laughs> truly yeah she no she's i i told her i was very impressed with her freestyling ability and she has is this um like a toy microphone that has like built-in reverb there's like big giant green microphone that she'll drive around <laughs> but um i just you know i just hope she wears a seatbelt because it's <laughs> like uh you know she's got to be careful doing that but uh she's you know has a drum machine and she drives around with the drum machine and freestyle you can catch it on periscope and on Twitter, and it's called Bancar, and it's definitely worth checking out. And people feed her words through a, you know, like a chat. So mm-hmm. they'll be like, you know, rhyme about donuts, and then she'll do a rhyme about donuts. And But it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, that's what, when I had first seen her perform live, she just asked for three random subjects from the audience. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to make up a song that's about all that. <laughs> And I was like, there's no, my immediate thought was like, there's no way anyone can do this. Yeah. They can both do this and. That's my answering machine. <laughs> Probably a telemarketer. Let's see who it is. Oh, oh, man. Ghosted. Dude. <laughs> Maybe it was a ghost. Um, anyway, but she was able, but the, when she was doing it, I was like, wow, this is both done well and cool. Yeah. And. There's a lot of lyrics, and this has been going on for like seven minutes, <laughs> and it all makes sense to a thesis statement. It had a conclusion. It was incredible. Power of the flow state. Definitely, man. I her show like she freestyles for like an hour. I know. In the in in the car, like oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I know I she does it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It sounds like a similar thing, but like. People, she just does that. People f- have, find that challenging to do for like two minutes, like a minute. Like yeah. she does that for like an hour, which is super impressive. Um, so yeah, check that out. And um, she's also a very religious person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, should she talk to you about? Oh yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Are you a religious person? Yeah, I actually I'm a I'm a choir director at a Are Catholic you? church. Are you? Yeah. You know I I've found. Kind of most like through partially through her conversation and just I think I was I grew up Catholic. I I spent a lot of time looking at different religions and studying different religions. I went to Buddhist temples and stuff like that. But um, something about my conversation with her really invigorated my interest in the Catholic religion. I, I don't go to church every Sunday. I went to church for Easter for the first time in a while and there's a church like around the corner but um something about our conversation was like it kind of reinvigorated my interest 
in the in the religion. And I wanted to go back and read the Bible. And um, not that I ever stopped being a Catholic, but mm-hmm. like I just my I wasn't an active Catholic, and I like didn't go to church. I didn't really participated it but it was always funny like my back was against the wall that would be the first thing my mind went to Mm. was like Mm -hmm. god help me jesus please help me but it was funny because like the rest of the time that you know i wasn't really thinking about it unless i was in a crisis situation right yeah but um so i was just interested um like your perspective on that um it wasn't really that's not really a question (laughs) i guess i think i can respond to it at least in some way um I too found Annie Hardy's um, relationship with the Holy Spirit very inspiring, um, and she's been one of few people I've been both open and willing to talk to about uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, normally I keep it to myself. Um, but I think that, you know, she's spent a long time doing things that are difficult and, you know, finding, you know, after you dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig, every once in a while, a couple of people see the light or start to see the light. Yeah. And, uh, it illuminates the the both the path and the truth of the path you know and the path is the truth i think I got and you. the truth is jesus yeah you know what i mean i think so i think i'm following so i think that studies at least, this is a this is a opinion. I think that the Buddhist studies, what little I've done, have helped me re-examine the scriptures with a different definition of truth and goodness, mm-hmm. and that too goes with some of the existentialist writers and. Uh, and other religions and things like that. So I don't know if that makes any sense or helps you at all. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know there's, there's people like, I want to say Philip K. Dick that believed like all like Buddha, Buddha and uh, Mohammed and Jesus. They're all kind of the same person that was reincarnated. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I believe that, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of similarities between religions and I think people don't really focus on that. Perhaps they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And um, it's interesting, like, just the cross in itself. Like, I to me, the journey of Jesus is like the journey of every person. They're going to go through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. And it's like being, getting through it. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the, the journey, like, carrying the cross. Like, you're going to have shit that goes wrong and like there's a, a you know and, and this brings us back to what is it the first noble truth that life is suffering yeah your cross yeah that's how you i'm know. kind of of um thinking about it sort of allegorical 
nowadays, just in terms of like my own life and what that journey for Jesus like means for me in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense for trying to make it be as clear as possible, but also like just the image of the cross in itself is like a positive, like literally a pos- a sign for a positive. Like if you had a negative and a battery and a, and a positive, you know, it's like the positive symbol. Yeah. I just think being a good person, leaving, like leading a good life, like, and being positive as much as possible. Like, I don't know, I'm looking for a lot of symbols in, in religion and um, trying to kind of make it make sense for, for my life. But go look at, go read the scriptures and then go to the Norton Simon Museum and check out their religious art. Yeah, I haven't been there. And, and go with like an art history major. Like, find someone. I'm sure you know someone. There's a lot of losers who studied art history. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Um, no. Um, and I'll try and help you find one. If um, So the symbols are buried in, in the art, sort of, or hidden in the Yeah, art? the stories are told by the art. Yeah. That's the point. And it's like, when you look at it, you see, you see Mary standing on the serpent, you know? Yeah. And that tells you that mary the mother of christ your mother is standing on the serpent (laughs) you know and we i've i've been like do you know the definition of the word holy holy to me just means something that was sacred but this is the definition of sacred something that should be respected and uh sort of adored kind of okay Okay, yeah. So that goes with what I was saying. I think the most simple definition of the word holy is other. Other? Yeah. Meaning what? Meaning set apart from. Okay. Everything. Like okay. this like like the church is a holy space. Okay. The church is an other space. The church is a place we don't go into not ready to be there. You know, a church is the not a place where we go into where where and not show the signs of respect that mm-hmm. we would show to even our neighbor. So you, you like Cotillion would teach you that if you were going to go into someone's house, you wouldn't come empty handed, mm-hmm. you know, you would come with an offer a gift. Yeah. And, and then you would, you know, you would ask to put your things down or you wouldn't just show up with your Starbucks and talk out loud and take phone calls. You know what I mean? Like it's and like be rude and disrespectful. Right. So it's, it's the, and it's almost beautiful. It's almost a beautiful example of our own free will mm. to make the church a holy space or not, because it's only as holy as we make it. It's only as set apart from everything else as far as we set it apart from it. Mm. And when you think about that, it becomes your choice to be in a very sacred space and to feel more full of the presence of God because God is the truth and the truth is all around. Yeah. Do you think people choose not to go because they feel like they fucked up too many times and that they feel like maybe they don't belong there or God is like mad at them or something? Or I would, so 
I think that I would say yes to that. And why is that the Catholic guilt thing? I don't know if it's mostly, I don't know if it mostly comes out of strict church stuff or just strict Catholic families. Um, because Jesus himself was very forgiving. That's his whole yeah. message was forgiveness. Yeah. His, and but it's like Yeah, for some reason they made forgiveness scary. And I think that's a mistake. And I I think that I think that most maybe maybe the the church lawmakers assumed that if we encourage people to act on their own free will, they will make way more mistakes. But, and that may be true, but they also may see the light there, Mm. you know? Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, do you think, that the church maybe needs to change with the times like inter like priests getting married, female priests, like, well, here's the thing about, here's the thing about priests getting married. Um, priests at a, at a priest's ordination, they're marrying the church. Right. And the church defined is the, the church defined is the body of Christ and the body of Christ is, you know, all Christians, the people, yeah. the church, you know, the, the, that's the body of Christ. So a priest is married to all Christians to be their servant, to have yeah. them and hold them in sickness and in health and guide them on their spiritual way and yeah. do this not for one, but for many. So like technically, yes. And then like, so technically they're already married. Me personally, well, we can get into my opinions. That's 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 what I understand the Catholic yeah. belief to be. Right, um, right. What was the question? Well, I was just asking if they should be a little more progressive to to encourage more people to attend. You know, because I, right. I hear what you're saying, and I understand the reasons why they don't. I had a professor in college who said that another reason potentially was for finance. Like if they got married and they had a wife and kids and they died, their belongings would go to the wife and kids. If they didn't, then it would go back to the church. I'm not saying that's true. That's just what someone told me. But, um, and uh, you know, there's plenty of cases of sexual misconduct, you know, that's been happening. I'm just wondering if it would lead to, cause they are, they are very, um, they are married to the church. I understand that perspective, but they also are human and they have, you know, so I wonder if suppressing their sexual urges they act in bizarre ways because of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't, I think here's my, here's what I think. If a priest gets married and has a kid, 80% of that, of the priest's attention is going to go to the kid. That's a good point. And not to the, not to the people of God who his first commitment was to. 
And like, that's a commitment he made in the sacred space, doing all the sacred things to show how serious his commitment is, you know? And when we take the holiness out of these things, the commitments we make there become less, they seem less special. And that's an issue because then they don't help as much because they they hold as much as we put into them. And no, that's a great that's a great argument, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah they're they're not going to be able to dedicate time to the church and to the people of the church if they have this, this other family that Right, that that needs a father, you yeah. know. It's not fair to the kid and it's not fair to the the you know, the parish whom he's serving. So I think that would, I think that's just one of many issues it was, it would cause. But again, that's just the, uh, that's not my opinion. That's just church. That's just as I understand it. That's their, yeah. 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 So, no, I, di- I didn't expect we'd talk about it this long, but it's I'm really enjoying this conversation. I also have to ask, though, you, you're saying you didn't really bring up the fact that you're religious um, in most conversations to most people, but you felt comfortable doing that with Annie. But is that because there? Do you think there's like a stigma of being religious nowadays that people feel like you can't wish someone Merry Christmas or Happy Easter to be politically correct, or you know, do you feel like that's something that you know, people that are religious have to kind of keep to themselves because of a backlash or is this your personal preference not to? I mean, I, I catch wind of that backlash, you know, like people tell me that, but I don't know. I just say what I want to say and yeah. I try to, you know, I, I recognize that what's good for me may not be good for someone else. I just try to do unto others as they would as I would want them to do unto me and, and then like just trying to have a good time while we're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Um, but Annie was very open about it and that I've never met anyone that was just like super open about it. Yeah. Um, that wasn't judge judging me. That's how I felt at least. And that's not true that what I just said is not true, but, um, she was just someone I met in my adult life who seemed to get it in a way that I was able to resonate with and uh, respond. You know, it you know stimulated parts of my brain that maybe wouldn't have other been otherwise been stimulated. So that was cool. Yeah, and yeah, so that happens every time I hang out with her. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She is a fascinating person, yeah. uh, incredible musician, and. Um, yeah. Did you, um, she also told me, no, I don't want to, but she, she's into conspiracy theories as well. Oh yeah. 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 Is that something else that you share? Are you having a fascination or interest in conspiracy theories? Um, I don't, I don't <laughs> believe a lot of them it, it really in conspiracy theories, but I think they're fun. Yeah. They are they're fun. like capital F. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah if, if anyone's got a good conspiracy theory story i'll sit and listen to it yeah <laughs> one that she ex- uh introduced me to was the rh negative factor in blood 
Yeah, which this I is that, this is her specialty. Yeah, the, I had no idea. Is that the bloodline of the serpent? The, is that what she said? I don't recall exactly. I know. Oh no, no, that's that's Rh positive. I think Rh positive is the rhesus gene is like a gene they could trace back to monkeys. So they think that people that are negative that don't have this gene, they think maybe came from somewhere else that could be <laughs> extraterrestrial or it could be, that's uh-huh. my understanding of it anyway. Okay. There's a lot of people like every president since they started, cause they only knew about this since like the forties. So like every president since they've been tracking the negative factor has been RH negative. So then you get into the conspiracy theory aspect of like certain big name musicians and celebrities are RH negative and like this whole thing of like maybe they're more intelligent or they're, you know, from some divine species or that's where the conspiracy theory comes into play. You know, what's really great. I think about conspiracy theories. Is it, is it studying them taught me to think about reality in real in really creative ways <laughs> and like totally backwards yeah like you know someone will like ask me if i want a banana and i'll think about the government you know <laughs> yeah they're so, poisoning all the bananas yeah, i can't eat it, it it's like there's like eight reasons i don't want that banana <laughs> <laughs> no that's interesting man um so snowball two is um Shoegaze primarily, would you call? You, but I don't have to box it in or anything. But you, you call it consider it. Um, I don't. I don't think it's fair to say that it is. I I like shoegaze, so I think it's cool to be considered a shoegaze band. Yeah. This record is very shoegaze. Um, I mean, excuse me. I've I've taken a lot of my cues from the shoegaze legends. Um, and learn and learn from them and try to implement their techniques into other styles as well. Like Springbank's Eternal on the new EP is is really psych rock. And uh our, um the next album is is much more subdued, as is the sophomore record, Donut Holes. And then yeah, so I've got a lot of um new new projects that are you know, pretty far along that sound a lot different, but are still relatable to the yeah. style, I think. Is My Bloody Valentine sort of the Beatles of shoegaze? <laughs> Who are the... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like I think the... so, yeah. They're... They, I can't, you can't... Yeah, they wrote most of the best. Chuck Klosterman says that... Uh, the the Beatles are the best band, and he defines them as such because they wrote the the most of the best songs. Okay, and I think My Bloody Valentine may have written the most of the best shoegaze songs, but I think Infinity Girl is hot on their tail. Okay, um, as is Lily's, but Lily's dips in and out of shoegaze like I do. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. When you when did you start playing music? What was the music that influenced you when you were like a young teen? My parents showed me uh, the Beatles for sale and some Beach Boys album. Cool. And I was listening to that a lot. And then they're both musicians. Okay. Uh, 
and they were like, all right, you, they told me and my brother, they're like, all right, you can't live here unless you play a music, uh, a music instrument. Oh, so and you didn't have a choice. I was like, oh shit. I'm going to be homeless <laughs> if I don't learn how to play. Yeah. So it's like, I picked up the clarinet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved some 41 yeah you know growing up and coheed and cambria and i yeah. didn't start listening to cool stuff until much later i don't think but uh obviously i loved the beatles and the beach boys they were they were there for me at the very beginning and uh yeah i mean i what was the question I was just asking about influences, like when you were a teenager, like the things mm. that turned you on to music. Was MTV was still a thing then? I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. You weren't allowed to watch MTV? No. I, well, maybe I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was like four, and then I just never watched it. Okay. So, <laughs> so how did you find out about music at that um, time? Well, I mean, my parents were musicians. Oh, right, right. And then I started taking lessons from a guitar teacher, and like... My parents were really supportive about like buying me punk albums and okay yeah so like those were still CD days yeah right? yeah so my you'd CD go to Sam Goody or something yeah, Sam Goody Tower yeah and just um, kind of grab warehouse. something and yeah. give it a shot mm-hmm. that and video games were a great outlet for the you know the the soundtrack of a video game would have like ten great songs yeah on it from ten different bands that I would Tony run Hawk out and find Tony Pro Hawk Skate. Pro Skater yeah. has a great soundtrack <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would learn about that bands through that way. Then there's this website called Pure Volume. Do you remember that? Uh yeah. I was uh yeah, I was on that twenty four seven. Yeah. And there's a spot around here called Chain Reaction. And I was there every weekend and So catching live shows. Yeah, and live seeing. shows and just yeah, I mean it was the it was not a good era of music by any means. It was the, What what time frame this, are we talking about? I probably started going to shows in like 06 and quit at like 2010. So like it was like emo, screamo, post hardcore. Yeah. And then like a little bit of indie was like seeping through. <laughs> so you I just didn't like when you stopped going to shows like stop Going to concerts? You well, no, to I, I, then, I moved, then I moved to I moved to Boston and went to uh, college, and that was a whole different thing. Yeah, so. there's a different scene yeah. there. Yeah, totally. That was way more cool. Boston? Yeah. Then there's, uh, a, there's a great scene. In, really? Well, there's like there's like 40 colleges oh, right. in Boston. Yeah, so yeah. So most of the population is under 25, and they're all in bands, and every, like, there are these... There's this suburb of Boston called Alston, and every house there has a basement, and like every it's like house shows, house shows every day of the week. Yeah, like and like most of the bands are really good. I know Speedy Ortiz came out of there. You know what's um, funny? I played bass in Speedy Ortiz <laughs> uh, for a very short period of time. They weren't called Speedy Ortiz at the time. When did uh... this was in Brooklyn, and the band was called Casey Quilty at the time. <laughs> and the singer, um, Sadie, Sadie, um, dubious, I'm not pronouncing it right. Uh, she, I played bass. She, they needed a bass player. I think I applied on Craigslist and then she came to my apartment and taught me all the songs on bass and we did a few shows, but it was kind of a similar thing where like she wrote the music, mm-hmm. like, 
that was, that was it. Like you didn't really bring songs in and I, I'm a songwriter. So I was like, I don't really, yeah, really feel. And her boyfriend played drums. It was a three piece and her boyfriend at the time, he's in a band. Oh God. What's the name of that band? Fuck. I can't think of it. They're really good. They've been playing in New York for, um, Luna something. Luna. It'll come to me later. Um, but yeah, they, it was, it was a three piece and it wasn't Speedy Ortiz at that time. So then she just kept going and going and created Speedy Ortiz and you know, that took off. Um, Ava Luna is the name of the, mm. the other band that, and they're, and they're great. Um, but, uh, so yeah, at the, at the time I was like, you know, I'm going to go do my own thing. We only did like, I played like maybe three shows with them. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I see her now in Speedy Ortiz and doing great they open for like the foo fighters and <laughs> they're playing like that's big the dreams <laughs> i guess yeah um but yeah like uh, uh who else uh big thief went to okay. my school okay and um charlie pooth okay yeah yeah uh who else some really good acts anyway yeah yeah cool so uh when did you put your what, what type of student were you in in college were you a partier drinker you just go no, to shows I didn't yeah. drink at all in college yeah, yeah until until the very end and it wasn't very much um yeah i was i was summa cum laude uh study knows knows to the books knows to the grindstone i know the books <laughs> you got your education <laughs> got my education education <laughs> and i threw it in the trash <laughs> what did you study do you study music uh i kind of like i did like Jazz arranging and audio production. Okay. Jazz arranging. So jazz, I always thought, was just like improv all over the. Well, yeah, but we would. I I would do like big band kind of stuff. Okay. So there's a lot more. There's a lot structure. structure Yeah. A lot more freedom you can take and stuff. Are you into jazz? You're. Yeah. 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 Me too. Mm -hmm. I love. I write a lot and. um I listen to Jack. I can't listen to music with lyrics. Oh, like it fucks oh, me when up. you're writing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. So I got into jazz, but I, I love like Sun Ra and like Pharaoh Sanders right and on. all those guys. I just got a, you know, appreciation for more of like the drug, I feel like <laughs> 60, like yeah, like yeah, the yeah. later era jazz. Um, but that's cool. The electric miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Definitely like Bitches Brew and yeah. like Sketches of Spain, like amazing albums. And um, when did you uh, put together your first band? How old were you at, when you started? Uh, fifth grade. Fifth my grade. My brother and my cousin and I. Yeah. Okay. Oh, too many excuses. Too many excuses. Was that something like your your parents? Is, I don't want to hear any more excuses. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's cool. And did you play, like, obviously, your fifth grade, you're not playing gigs, right? Did you we play, played, like, birthday parties we, or we something? We played some birthday parties. We played some shows at some, uh, like, we put on some shows at Grandma's house. Okay. Uh, and then we played at the church fair in, like, yeah, like, sixth grade or something. Wow. So were we've been at it ever since. Yeah. Were you terrified? Were you playing guitar and singing or just playing guitar? I was playing guitar and singing. Okay. Um, no, I don't wasn't terrified. No. Maybe a little bit. A little more excited. Yeah. Yeah. 
do you get nervous? Like, obviously, it's nah, a silly question. I mean, but it's like it's. I do it. I like you do it enough. I do it professionally. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Like it's one of those things where if you do it all the time, that yeah, kind of subsides. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's just a thing that I do now. You know, it's not a big deal. But I, st- I mean, I still think I'm gonna forget words, and I yeah. still make huge mistakes that everybody hears. Um, Most but, people probably don't notice though, because you know well, the songs inside it out. Yeah, but I do my best to to, not to use up. the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I I know I'm I'm happy I'm happy with mistakes. I just yeah. try my best to get out of them, uh, in a in a sexy way. Yeah. So play it. That's the sign of a professional. Well, it's a sign of a working professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, things go wrong, right? And that's the yeah, thing that right, like, you yeah. never know. Like, you that's could practice how, a million just, times and yeah, get amp. on stage and your amp, the tube blows in your amp or something. Yeah. Exactly. And then you got to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And you got to do a stage dive. <laughs> <laughs> that's essential. <laughs> yeah. I opened for this band called Sugar Red Drive and my brother-in-law's band. And there's a venue in Poughkeepsie called The Chance. And um, I know about The Chance. Oh, you know my, The Chance. Well, my... my all my college roommates played there. Okay. It's a great place. Um, so many people have played there. Bowie played there. Really? Yeah. He cool. did, that was for his fan club, but he still played there. Very but cool. tons and tons and tons of people play there. I saw the Deftones there in like junior Annie high school. did something with the Deftones. She did. Yeah. It's like a spoken word kind of thing, right? Yeah, on one uh, of their yeah. yeah. It's cool. I haven't heard it, but I know she, I know she did it. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Deftones. Um, and I forget. Oh, so I were opening for this band and there are two blows on their amp in the middle of their set. And um, they played it off so professionally with the drummer just playing. The singer was like telling jokes like and they had toured extensively. Yeah. But like the way that they played it off, I was like, that's really cool because that could happen to anyone. And the mm-hmm. way that you guys just like, you know, it seemed like no big deal. Right. And then they got back into their set and they like, you know, tore it up. But. You know, anything can happen during yeah. a show, so you have to kind of like be able to navigate, like to, yeah. to pull an audible at any time. Totally, yeah, and yeah, and that's true for anyone in any job. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I try. I like to. I I look at those things as challenges. Definitely. Like, All right, what am I going to do that? <laughs> How uh, am I going to get out of this one? <laughs> Do you uh med are you to pray or something like to something to kind of like calm your or to do you have to do that? For me, I'm a very anxious person, so I have to like kind of bring myself down to get into a comfortable and relaxed state. I don't know if you have that problem or you're just kind of I do I do have that problem. Um I'm learning to meditate. Yeah. Um I refused for a long time. So learning uh, but when I get anxious, I start telling jokes. That's a good defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, it's fun. People, <laughs> people who are anxious, like around me, like say someone else on stage is anxious and like trying to center themselves and like meditation. And yeah. I'm just like, they're trying to make fun of some whatever. And they don't like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, got to use discretion but is uh is prayer a form of meditation would you absolutely yeah it quiets the mind yeah you know nothing nothing quiets the mind like silence (laughs) (laughs) um and so for the the new material like are you writing like you obviously you write 
lyrics how do lyrics come to you is it like a poet like poems do you consider yourself a poet do you um i like to think that i write songs yeah more more so than lyrics well, or, or a lyricist i think i i i think i i really like writing lyrics and and i take them very seriously and that doesn't mean they're good but i you know, I, I put thought into them and they're not just there for nothing. Yeah. And, um, but I think that they, the, the melody and the lyrics kind of work in tandem, um, such that the lyrics imply the melody and the melody implies the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. And I'm getting better at that. Um, because I'm sure you could be like, well, you didn't do that here, 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 here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting better at it. But that when I when I start to write a song, a lot of times I'll hear in tandem a, a lyric with a melody, to or, a or it'll come and good, or it'll come very fast. A melody will have lyric very fast, right? And then from there, it's just like, all right, I have to sit down and like focus on this, or else yeah. it's not going to happen. So. That's where the iPhone comes into play. Sing a melody or something, or I, an idea into an iPhone or recorder. I, when I was in sixth grade, this ki- I started a band, and with this kid Sean, and I told him I was at his house. And I was like, "Dude, I got this new song for our band," <laughs> and he goes, "He goes, all right, sing it." And I was like, oh, well, I don't have any lyrics. And he's like, he's also in sixth grade. He's like, <laughs> man, if you can't remember your lyrics, psh, it's not a good song. <laughs> he's like, if you can't remember your own lyrics, psh, it's yeah. not a good song. And I was like, Sean's right. So sometimes I don't write it down. When I have it, well, I'll write down the lyrics uh, because I change the phrasing so much. Okay. Uh, to fit syllables sometimes. Um, but I'll, I'll make a mental note of what note it starts on, you know, and then, uh, try and just remember that. But when it's finished, I'll write or make a recording of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I carry, I usually carry around a notebook. Uh, it must be my car, but that where I write down lyrical ideas or joke ideas or. Yeah. Funny it's like you got to grab them before they yeah, evaporate. Before yeah. 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 I use the notes function on the phone a lot. And the same. The um, I try not to, though. I think it's. Do you nicer. feel more be, like a connection to the paper? Yeah. It's just. And I'm like, this is. I dropped this in the toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Gross. Yeah. I mean, not this one. But like. <laughs> okay. But like, that happened. And right. I had I was, to like. And I was like, man, that were my ideas backed up? Yeah. Most that's of them, scary. You know, and like, yeah. sometimes you lose stuff and like, yeah, of course you lose notebooks, but you can, it's a, and then it doesn't matter because yeah. it's, it's all gonna, it's all gonna fade away anyway. So That's my biggest fear with stories. I always email things to myself because I don't back things up because I'm not. Dude, if it's not saved in three places, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And um, yeah, because if, like my fiance turned on her computer one day and just a hard drive went to hell and she couldn't get the computer on. So everything on the computer was lost. So that's oh, my biggest fear yeah, that dude, that'll happen to me. That's freeing. 
Yeah. That happened to my computer. Did it? Yeah. Did you bug the big out? Big crash of, o- of O12. Oh, my God. How'd you survive? It was finals week. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so you lost all your term papers you, or whatever your assignments were? Yeah, there's just nothing you can do. You just salvage what you can and start basically. You're like from just above scratch. Oh, my God. And like. And it's fine. That's everyone's biggest nightmare. And you, well, you real, well, yeah, you, and but, you, but then you realize that you didn't need any of that stuff. The important stuff's still in here, you know. So you put it, everything in perspective, which um, you realize it's not as important as we make it out to be. It's definitely not. Yeah, it's absolutely one hundred percent not. And the second we think that it is, we are going to have problems. Do you? Uh, how old are you? Do you? Mind? Can I ask how old you are? How old are you? I'm 35. 26. 26. I'm older than you. Uh, By a decade. Yeah, it checks out. Yes. (laughs) Um, So when I grew up, there was, the internet was like a new thing. Like in high school, like we had AIM, like AOL Instant Message. Yeah. So you're a different. I was just like sixth grade, fifth grade. like You had it all, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the advent of all that. So... Is that, ner- but you seem to be someone who's detached from it to some degree. You prefer writing, you know, like you're not, because do you think it's an alarming sign that people are always in front of screens, whether it's a television screen, a computer screen, or your phone? Not necessarily. I mean, I think it depends on what's, what's in it. I mean, because like, would I be alarmed if someone spent gratuitous amounts of time staring at Infinite Jest or the Bible? or you know any book like i would say no because yeah. there's valuable information in there and and i think it it will really help you experience things outside of that but i mean i i think that our conscious intent really in the long run is going to have little to do with with what actually happens yeah. because there's a lot of really, really, really crappy television right. that I spent a lot of time watching as a kid that I got some nugget of truth out of for okay. some reason. And it pops up. I see it in trends and daily uh, occurrences and, and maybe I wouldn't be able to define it as accurately had I not watched even Stevens as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. that's where all this, the sad clown paint stuff came from. Okay. He, there's a picture, there's an episode where Lewis Stevens is painting a sad clown. And I said, right then I was like, I want to paint a sad clown. So that resonated with you as a kid. Yeah. And it kind of stuck with you over time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like the most highbrow intellectual programming. It doesn't have to be. No, yeah. it's possible to learn valuable information from a stupid person or a stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, but like, you don't. It it really depends on providing guidance on how to interpret uh, stim- stimuli yeah. from different perspectives and how it affects not only you but others and. That can be learned from anyone, and it's the hum- it's humans who made the machines to show us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's all dangerous, but people need to re- realize that you know 
they need to take personal responsibility for it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do all this but i'm gonna get an x y and z out of it and that's what i'm gonna move forward with and deal with the consequences so it's 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 scary when people are not conscious conscious of of it and um yeah it's that that's the issue is 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 and we have this you know we study what which colors make you most hungry or relate to hunger stimulate yeah. that part of the brain so that you eat there that's so manipulative red and right that's I, why all the fast food restaurants have red in red there and yellow yeah. yeah which is like it's 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 fine like it's not a it's not like they can do that but now we need to know that they're doing that right so it's kind of on us to figure that out you mean or otherwise we're being kind of tricked. Yeah, and trickery is all around. And yeah. you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Shame on me. Yeah. So you know, like, okay, that was a and you don't have to eat a lot of McDonald's to know it's a bad thing. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think my 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 fear is that it, at some point it's going to become propaganda like social media and things like they're just going to if they censor out certain things then it becomes propaganda like if they take out if they're like all right so no anything christian we're going to take out of facebook for example mm-hmm. not saying they're doing that but I'm, right, right. but then they get just one side of a story right. you know what i mean like or if the it could be anything that was maybe not a great example but no no yeah. I, I i see it's like I mean, anytime anyone censors anything that's not your mom and you're over, yeah, a certain age, eighteen, right? You know, well, eighteen's the very top. You know, like sure. I wouldn't trust, like, like I wouldn't trust it. It's yeah, something you got to be anything, whether it's McDonald's fast food sign or social media. You have to be an intelligent person, and you have to do. Yeah. You have to look at both sides. You have to dig into something. Don't take everything that's given to you for face value. I think that's kind of uh just the responsibility of being a human being. Yeah. Just, yeah. Because in this society. I mean, it's even if like imagine if you were just born out in nature. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. You got to be smart there. Yeah. You got to be way smarter there. Yeah. You otherwise know? you won't live. You, otherwise you won't live. Yeah. We found many new ways to die. <laughs> Let me tell you that. So <laughs> All right. Um, Jackson, I had a blast talking to you, man. Likewise. Uh, this was great. Um, catch the show May 4th at Resident, the album release of Eaton Super 10. Um, and that's available. You can get that on band, iTunes. It was, and, was just snow, uh, www.snowball2.com. That's yes. snowballii.com. Cool. And uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask that um, you were hoping to discuss? I I don't know. I feel pretty good. You feel good with this conversation? I feel good, yeah. Okay. This was great. Good. Thank you. All right. I want to thank your listeners as well. Yeah. No, thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with talk to me about all kinds of <laughs> things that you probably didn't expect to talk Definitely about. Definitely <laughs> didn't expo- expect to talk about most of that. Um yeah, but I thank you so much for supporting the release of Eaton Super Ten. Um, Definitely, it's been uh, it's a great album. I I listened to it, thank you. and I really liked it. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many interviewers don't listen to the record before they call me. Yeah, and I'm like, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, I really enjoyed it. It's good. I I, I heard it on Bandcamp, but uh, I want to oh, pick I've up the a, vinyl. I've got a CD for you. The vinyl doesn't exist yet. Okay. But it'll be out in like two to four weeks. Okay, so stay um, tuned. But for that. come to the release show. I would love to um, if I can. I'll I get love you. To. I'll get you on the list if you want. Uh, can you like <clears throat> figure out whether you can text? Yes, me? I will. And I'll get you on the list. All right, man. Uh, Jackson, thank you so much. Thank you. It was great. All right.